Hey guys, before we get started, if you have not yet heard, listen to, subscribe to our new podcast, Happy Brain. I'm going to tell you, you're missing out. I'm hosting this through the Tiny Leaps Big Changes Network, and it's a show about fun, quirky ways to keep your brain happy. They're short episodes, high energy, and lots of fun. So find Happy Brain wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you hit that subscribe button. So about a year ago, I saw this guy with like a lobster hat. Now that might be a little bit normal on TikTok, but he caught my attention. He's creating educational content in a very creative way. I hit the follow button and ended up consuming a lot of Mr. Jack Katz videos. I later learned that he was a public school teacher for students with disabilities, and he was passionate about radical inclusion in the way that he was teaching not only his students, but also me. Well, it was pretty unconventional. I've always felt immensely. I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Empathy always. That comes from today's guest, Jack Catalano. And if this is your first time listening, what is up? My name is Heather Parody. I am your host. This show is for ambitious creatives who want to make a living doing what they love. And hey, listen, listen, today, well, not today, this week is Teacher Appreciation Week. And it just so happens that I interviewed a teacher a couple of months ago whose content I absolutely love. I wanted to have him on because I know there's a lot of people listening right now, heck, myself included, who wants to use social media as a way to make a difference, share our work, be more creative. And if there's a group of people that we can learn about creativity, it's teachers, y'all. It is teachers. Jack teaches in a self-contained classroom for autistic students, and he's an advocate for radical inclusion, acceptance, and greater opportunities with people for disabilities. And I love this quote from him. Check this out. It says, I believe that when someone is given room to be themselves, Accepted for who they are and given the proper accommodations to help them live and work like every other able-bodied human being, that there isn't anything we can't do. Jack uses props and hats and funny stories on TikTok to teach about radical inclusion, and he was generous enough to join us today. And I wanted to launch this this week for teacher appreciation again to as a big thank you to our teachers out there. The heart and the soul that you guys put into your work is next to none. And I truly believe there's a special place in heaven <laughs> for you guys. I really believe that. But first, before we get started, I wanted to give a big shout out to Yonina Lermer, who is at Kid Coach with a K, Kid Coach with a K, over on Instagram, who serves her stinking heart out to teachers all over. I was super honored to speak at an event she had for teachers. And I made a little video for her and the teachers. And I'm going to share the audio with you guys. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that we ask a lot who your unsung hero is. And I've connected with some super successful people, y'all, like some super successful people. And I've been just amazed to see how many of them said 
that the person who impacted them the most was a teacher, a teacher in their own life. I put a little collage together for her just to show the teachers to encourage them. And I'm, it's only a couple of minutes, but I wanted to go ahead and play you that clip here. Just a little collage of our Unsung Hero segment. There was one teacher in grade six. He brought his drum set into class and he let, got everyone to play on it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what's going to get me into music. And so had he not done that, I, I'd be an accountant or something like that. I, don't I think I would say my grade seven English teacher, <laughs> which sounds so ridiculous. So my grade seven English teacher... Um, and my grade eight English teacher, they were like best friends too in my, in, in school here, because that was the very first time in my life that I had ever been thought, been taught, sorry, not thought, uh, taught to think critically about things. And English was always like a, a, a class where we're encouraged to think critically and read these books and share our own ideas, not just share the ideas of, you know, what we were reading. Yeah. And my grade seven teacher was the very first teacher who you know, I was a very studious student. I was really, really conscientious and like just loved school. It's, it was, I was annoying about it, but he was the first person that told me, I, I don't care what the author said. I care what you think. And that was like, it changed my life. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll write what I think. <laughs> so ever since then, that changed the way that I write, the way that I speak, the way that I value my own opinion. Cause for the first time, someone said, I don't care. I don't care what the author said. I want to hear what you think about it. I feel like when I was um I was graduating high school, my um I, I was always like I was joking around and like in, in high school and classes and like teachers kind of knew that and we had made like some film our, our senior like film fest like we won that year and it was like this really really funny film. Um and this my history teacher, Mrs. Morrison, like it was a very, very like small comment, but she was like um when I was saying like goodbye after graduation, she was like, You're gonna have your own show one day. Like I'm I'm very sure of it. And and she was like like smiling about it. And I didn't know if she was serious or not, but it I was, um, that kind of like motivated me a little more than it should have, but I was just like, like the fact that someone could even think that about me, I was like, wow, maybe I should, maybe I should think that about myself and like have set that kind of goal for myself. And so I, I don't like wake up and be like, I will have my own show today. Like, but I do like, with everything I do, I like, keep in mind that there are like people who have more faith in you that sometimes you have in yourself. Like my gym teacher in eighth grade, I think, because she taught me how to, so such a funny story, but I'm tall. I'm like five, eight. And I was a cheerleader. And at the time, like you had to do a backhand spring. I don't know if you know what a backhand spring is, but I know what um, it is. <laughs> okay. Like some people are like, oh, what? but so I'm tall. So at the time, like gymnastics and cheerleading is like hand in hand now, but at the time it definitely wasn't. So I had to do a backhand spring and no one wanted to spot me because I was so tall, but I wasn't going to be able to make the team if I didn't, if I couldn't do one. Mm-hmm. And my gym teacher sat down with me and taught me how to visualize doing a backhand spring. I would have to say my acting teacher is one of them. You know, he was, he was never a yes man. So he would always tell me, you know, if I was, if he wasn't feeling it in the scene, like you're better than that, Kevin, I can see it that you, you are better than you think you are. You're destined to do really, really great things. Like he was telling me that, um, history teacher in high school and we were on different sides of the political argument but what she actually did is she gave you information and let you make your own decision that is incredible because you're learning how to think and not what to think and that is an incredible skill um i mentioned um i had another teacher in high school he basically had us read a lot of like very particular books like brave new world like 1984 um and it really kind of opened my 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 eyes to a lot of things and you know where things can go 
it was actually my, uh, my third grade teacher, Mr. Garcia, honestly, like if I go back to look at, you know, the impact that a teacher, I had some great coaches in high school and stuff, but Mr. Garcia, third grade, um, teacher on the last day of school, he says, um, I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. It's because that's the kind of guy I am. But like last day of school, he's like, you can give me a, high, a hug or a high five, right? Which is unthinkable right now during COVID. But, um, and like that always stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. It's, and it's been this weird thing that's always brought me back to this ability to like have this impact, right? And I was working, funny story, I was working at uh, the mall. I was selling phones, uh, going back to school to be a teacher. And uh, I saw him in the mall. And he was in this coffee shop across the way. And I got a chance to go up to him and say, Hey, um, it's been a while, but like, I'm in school right now to be a teacher. And a big part of that reason was because of you, you know? And so, um, that I, I go back to it because I think that was like a turning point or something that made a, something clicked mm -hmm. as to what I wanted to create with my life just from that one thing. And he was amazing. Everybody loved him anyway, but like that moment is like cemented in my mind. And now I do that with my students or I have done it over the last few years with my students because, um, I want to create that same type of legacy. Really. I think this is what it's about, Heather. It's the legacy. It's the ability to help other people in a way that actually means something that that's what it is to me. Isn't that awesome? I love it. I love it. Again, big shout out to Yonina over at kid coach on Instagram. That's linked in the show notes as well. Thank you for your work. But let's talk to Jack. Are y'all ready to talk to Jack? Are you ready to talk about how he's advocating for kids, how he's being creative and free with his content, how he's overcoming the fear of what other people might think and just really leaning into who he is and what his passion is. This is Jack Catalano. So my platform, I'm pretty much most active on TikTok. And I started when quarantine started a year ago today. It's a happy uh, lockdown anniversary. I was, for the first time in my career, doing remote learning and totally lost. And I have felt prior to that, just kind of what direction am I taking? I just was on TikTok searching. I never posted any content, 30 years old. I was home for a few months. Um, I knew I was going to be home in the long term. And really, I just was so inspired by the disability community on TikTok, how open, how honest I have been listening. I have been learning. I have been in the field for over 10 years now. And really, just in the last year, has it really 2020 made me as much as I started 2020 uh, in March of 2020 with cancel 2020 rhetoric hating the year, all that's missing out. It really, I look back and it's really the year that inspired me, pushed me. I am on a whole new journey of advocating for those who are overshadowed in society and truly anything is possible. Anything is possible if given a chance. Love that. What led you to be a teacher? Back in college, and I really started in high school. It was that existential dread of you're a senior. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Terrible messaging back. Um, I graduated in 2008. <laughs> I went for education. I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, and I explored everything. I had my mid-college mid crisis where I thought maybe, I don't know if education is for me. I don't know if I want to be a teacher. Maybe I want to make more money. Um, I want to do something in science. I want to do something in finance and or something in kinesiology or I tried everything. I went to every counselor and ultimately my passion and my love of supporting kids, of educating others led me right back into my program. Um, I had four or five different 
student teaching experiences, I just fell in love ever since um, I'm on my eighth year now teaching in New York City, public schools. I love it. And what do you teach? Um, I teach high school um, special education, although I'm big on my platform now as far as changing the narrative away from special uh, special education, Special Olympics, special needs. So I call myself an accessibility specialist now, which is new to a lot tell of me people. The difference. What do you? Why is that a thing? Absolutely. Special. The history of it is very othering, very ableist. Um, when someone is labeled special, you immediately in society. I do it. We all do it um, in the society that we've grown up in. We look at them different. We look at them not as a whole person, as there's something maybe wrong with them or something different, or they need more care and support than I might need. Um, and that's wrong. They're perfectly human. Their needs are not special. They're human needs like you and me, like every other able-bodied person. Um, and that's why I have changed to accessibility specialist, and I really encourage others in my field. It's a long road ahead. It's not going anywhere for a long time, but things change. Wordings change. We, we evolve with the times and it's much more inclusive. My whole job is bringing the curriculum that is a general education high school curriculum and breaking it down for my autistic students in an accessible manner that they can access when they are at a reading and writing and math level that is elementary um, school. So that's the whole job. But their needs are no less valid, no less important than anyone else. What's the response been like on TikTok specifically? You advocating for this? Yeah, I, I've had nothing really but positive. The, the overwhelming is so many disabled creators or other individuals um, who are in my field too, are changing their, their titles, changing their minds, asking me how to get this to my ad, to their administration, so cool. how to make that change. And there's also heartbreaking stories, um, unfortunately, of hundreds and thousands of individuals who have been called special or in special education their whole life. And it, their self-worth is devastated. Oh, no. And I was just going to say, I know you talk a lot about mental health at times, and that's a huge part of it. And I get messages that when we're changing away from that, when I'm respecting them for who they are, I encourage others to be their authentic selves and that that is perfectly valid and no one should tell them other, then you see them brighten up. You see a positive in their day as much as there's still so much hurt deep within so many. The, the narrative around this, is this something that you just kind of learned and picked up and formed this conviction about through being a teacher or were you um, like, was this taught to you by maybe a parent or somebody else? Uh -huh. Yeah, a big part of the, for just teachers, especially in special education, the college experience that most have, most have had, most continue to get is very ableist and not in line with what the affected community requests and, and desires. And that could go for what their needs are. So in college, I was taught to use something called functioning labels. So with my autistic students and with autistic individuals in general, for as long as the term has really been around 40, 50, 60 years now, they've been labeled a whole bunch of things, including high functioning, low functioning. And that tells 
nothing about an autistic individual. And I was taught person first versus identity first language, which is a huge debate. Um, the autistic community overwhelmingly prefers identity first. They are autistic. It's the same with the deaf community. They are deaf. You don't say a person with deafness. You say a deaf person, you say an autistic person. But the larger community um, of professionals are very unaware of this. They're very unaware of what the community prefers. And that goes with so many different aspects of society, I feel like. I want to just really bring this down to a very practical, blunt level, because there's, I'm sure, many people listening who have never even thought of this or never even mm -hmm. told to consider their language. I mean, to be completely honest with you, it wasn't until my late 20s, early 30s that it was even brought into my awareness that labels and words and all of that stuff even matters. It was in a multicultural class in graduate school that I even started learning about any of this. And so I don't want to assume that, it, you know, that everybody listening it, it, you know, even knows exactly what we're talking about right now. So if we can even bring Absolutely. it back and just really kind of from a very basic fundamental level, when you talk about, you know, leading with identity first or person first and all of this, the wording, why does it matter? I'm sure many people are wondering, why does, why does this even matter? Why are we paying attention to it? Absolutely. Great question. So from the autistic community has, and I started this chain language reframing and change in my own vocabulary just in the last year. That's when I go back to saying 2020 was really the year that made me, that showed me so much of what I was taught before is not in line with the community and I am just perpetuating harm if I were to continue. So first of all, it just meant listening to their voices, to what they care about. And really when it comes to what a lot of autistic individuals have told me is that when they are labeled a person with autism, that to them means it's an add-on. It's a problem. It's, it's a, something that is attached to them and not their full identity. It's a negative. Instead of them being proudly, authentically, actually autistic person, which is what they prefer an overwhelmingly majority, I do recommend obviously asking the person what they prefer, because there are autistic individuals who would rather just say person first still. And I respect that. It's all about respect and building a world of greater respect to me. So person first would say John with autism. And what's the other alternative? Would be not necessarily autistic John, but sure. you would say John is autistic instead of John with autism. Right. Or and I'd say my autistic students instead of my students with autism, which I don't use anymore. I use identity first, which is autistic students. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I feel as though I have heard this same conversation among uh, several different uh, communities of people, not just the autistic community. And so I think this is a very important thing to highlight of, you know, viewing something, you know, what fill in the blank as um, something that's wrong with you. Because, you know, I have a good friend, um, Nathan Todd, and he talks a lot about this um, with cerebral palsy. You know, it's something that you're proud of. That's something it's not yes. like a... a Please feel free, Jack, to correct me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. The way that I'm wording any of this, but you know, it's not seeing it as quote a disability or a sickness or a disease or whatever it may be. 
uh, it is a part of your identity, something that you're proud of. And I think that's, you know, until he told me that I had never heard anyone speak of this. And I feel like it's becoming a little bit more popular. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. And something that's really taking off I feel like, but still widely unknown, is just the term disabled. So the disability community, as well as the autistic community, um, overwhelmingly just call me disabled. Just call them disabled. That's not a bad word. It's not a curse word. It's not offensive anymore to just say, oh yeah, so-and-so is disabled. Don't say they are handicapped. Don't say they are exceptional or they have special needs. Just say disabled. That's it. Just get right to the point. Um, and that's what most prefer. I as well, in the last year, I got the year that made me, 2020, um, as much as I wanted to cancel it over and over, I finally got my own ADHD diagnosis after a lifetime of struggle and not knowing for sure. And I've also was diagnosed in high school with a condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome hypermobility type. Um, I've never heard of that. It's very, um, it's a connective tissue and joint um, disorder. So how it works basically is I, there's many different levels, many different categories. Mine is the hypermobility type, which affects my joints, which affects my flexibility. And just in the last year, it, the flare-ups um, in my joints, I wear braces now pretty regularly on my wrists and ankles. For the first time, just in the last few months, have I needed them really day-to-day, and I carry them everywhere. And that's just with age. Um, I was told at 17 at the time that 30s and 40s is when it, you know, the pain will come, and it is coming. I'm on a journey to find the right doctors here in New York City. I've been great care. It's a process. But I do consider now, based on the community that has supported, I have found other um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, they go by zebras. Um, that's the animal that they've adopted as a community, the zebras. So I am a zebra. <laughs> I have embraced that. And Honestly, they have supported me through this emotional roller coaster of a past year as well in my own disability. And I do say I am disabled now. That does not mean I cannot do almost anything anyone else can do. It's just part of who I am. I think a lot of us, um, you know, last year with the Black Lives Matter movement and so forth, you know, it was exposed the, the necessary, I don't even know how to word this, but it put us in a position where people had to start talking and had to stop being silent and avoiding very important conversations because, you know, many of us, myself included, grew up, you know, thinking you don't ask questions because it's rude. You know, you, everybody's the same, everybody, you know, you don't, there is no differences like, you know, and just the complete unacknowledgement of yes. identity. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so, I'm going to tell you, Jack, so uncomfortable because it goes against what your brain was wired at a young mm-hmm. age to do and the intentionality in which you and like I said unapologetically talk about these things on TikTok I've been so grateful for but you do it in a way like I said that's inviting you have these crazy hats yeah. and you're <laughs> funny and you know you dance and you're you're interesting and so it's so cool to see that because where you know, our instinct might be to pull away and say like, oh, don't ask Jack about that. That's rude. And that's what's more rude to stare. It's more rude to 
assume, always assume competence when you meet someone with a disability. That's really Don't infantilize them. Don't talk down to them. My kids might read and write and do math at a first grade level, and they are, yes, 16 or 17 years old, but I will never treat them like I would someone who is six or seven in first grade. They are teenagers, they are almost adults, and they deserve to be treated as such. What do kids need right now from us as adults and leaders? I think it's the same with what so many marginalized groups need. They need us to listen. Women need us to listen. Um, Black people need us to listen. They need us to read. I'm reading actively about this. I am trying to do my own research. And they just need us to care. And it's okay to to change. It's okay to admit. I do it all the time now. It's a strength um, I've developed to admit I was wrong. I'm open about the changes I've made. Um, I have a long way to go. I'm not done. I'm just beginning. And that's what the kids need. They need opportunity. They need acceptance. I'm, a, I'm kind of over fighting for awareness as much as I understand many of your listeners might have never heard of identity first versus person first language. And that's obviously me hoping to spread awareness. But I just want radical inclusion, radical acceptance more than anything for those who are marginalized, those who are are, are different, but just as human, just as loving, just as, you know, needing of empathy and care. For us to become radically inclusive, what kind of internal work does that demand? Yeah, I think it, it goes in all of those different societies, too. When it comes to the disability community, it means hiring disabled people. We need disabled people at all levels, especially when it comes to HR, human resources, because when it comes to accommodations, someone with a wheelchair or someone with a walker or someone with a you know cognitive delay will need extra time. They'll need extra supports. They'll need an elevator or whatever um, additional accommodations they may ask for. And oftentimes, HR has no idea in businesses what that is. And that's why the representation, if you get disabled people in there, you're going to get greater numbers of disabled people uh, in the workforce. And right now they're the least, they're, they're struggling the most. They're the number one group that is underrepresented in the workforce, under underworked, underpaid. And there's still so many laws out there that can pay people with disabilities subminimum wage. Jack, you're passionate and I love it. And I was wondering if there was like a, maybe a, a moment in your career or personal life where it went from like, you care about this to like, this lights me up and I'm going to fight for it. Just once I came over my fear of putting myself out there, creating content on TikTok a year ago. Um, you were afraid? Oh, I was, I'm still very self-conscious really? before I post anything. As confident as I might sound, I do my research. I will, you know, always rehearse a little bit. And yeah, that's just it. And honestly, there's one person. uh, My wife is the biggest push. She's amazing. I love her. She's my everything. She's my rock. As far as who really motivated me, and I know you know this person as well, um, Gary V. If you, I, I digested him for the last two years and everything he talks about is the truth. And and everything everyone needs to listen to and take in and just do. And I know he gets so much, you know, crap and hate and this isn't right. And I'm like, no, those it's empathy, empathy, always, always. 
if someone is going to leave a negative comment or try and argue with me or bash someone that I care about, I'm just going to lead with love. I, I teach young people to as hard as it is to be disabled when they're young. And I was young once too. I wanted to change the world. The older you get, you're the, long, the more you realize it takes a lot of time and patience for big change. But it's still, the passion is there. The understanding is there. And I think he just, I went for it. I jumped off yeah. the deep end and it, it slowly grew. It's been a process. I'm grateful you shared that because it's easy to assume, again, back to the assumptions that, you know, watching your content, dude, you seem like so confident and like you're in your own skin and like whatever. And and I love it. And it's helpful to know as a content creator that, you know, it, it's hard not only starting, but it's also hard just producing. And you put out a lot of content and for you to say like, yeah, this still sucks. And this is really hard sometimes, uh -huh. but I do it. Yeah. And that's the big thing. I mean, honestly... Like doing that is kind of my, my self-care. That's what I enjoy now. It's become yeah. that. And, you know, there's not always enough time in the day because life is busy and I'm a teacher in a pandemic. And still, I'm, I'm there for my kids. I give nothing but love, passion, energy. And then I know I have my own, you know, self-care that I have to do to rebound. Your, your ideas and stuff, I've had a lot of people say to me, you know, that they're really passionate about kind of more... Uh, I would say serious topics and they're concerned about putting kind of a fun light spin to it and be kind of creative with it because they want to have reverence around the topic. And I think mm -hmm. you're a great example of blending very important conversations, but also to adding the creativity and the fun. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, when approaching your content, what does that kind of creative process look like for you? First of all, just listening, researching, finding what I'm passionate about and running with it. Um, at any one point in time, I have a thousand ideas in my head that I hope to one day create into something or share with the world in some way. Um, but it's really just comes down to me as a person. I try to spread kindness. Um, I'm think of myself as a goofball. I'm constantly with my students joking around I, I know I'm the most fun class to be in. Uh, I, I'm going to toot my own horn with that because I bet you that's, what, that's what school should be. Um, so it just comes down to not being so serious. I don't take myself very serious. I, a college professor once told me, and I remember it, um, don't take yourself too serious, but take what you do serious. And that has stuck with me for many, many years after. And what that means to me is that my job and what I do and what I advocate for is the most serious thing that I, I am doing with my career and my life right now. But when I take myself serious, am I more important than a single person who follows me, who likes a video, who comments? 100% not. I am just as equal as every single other person out there and just as deserving as love and compassion and kindness and that's the power I know I hold in this world because I am not an elected official. I can't sign a pen and create policy change, but I can truly be kind. I can truly care, not spread negativity. Um, and that's my choice every day. And it's a struggle. I get angry. We all do. We all have our troubles. It's natural. So therapy helps a lot. <laughs> I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, letting men cry, letting boys cry, raising boys better. Um, this country has a toxic masculinity problem. 
Um, that is the core of almost all of our problems, in my opinion. I could go three more hours on that, but yeah. One of the things uh, a lot of listeners have talked about is kind of the, what are the my coworkers going to think? putting out content and building out a brand. Was that an issue or concern for you? That was a big concern. As I now public on TikTok and thousands of people are following me, slowly, little by little, colleagues, friends have discovered me. Um, I didn't even tell my wife for like three months. I was making TikToks as she's working upstairs and I'm downstairs figuring out the new platform and doing all of this for the first three months. And then I was like, I kind of got a few thousand followers and I'm like, this is going to come out. I told her and she was, she wasn't upset. She was just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been a process and definitely it's always a shock when someone will be like, oh my God, I saw, I know like you meet someone in real life who's Same. seen it and I'm like, yeah. Which one was that? What video was it? Should I be embarrassed? Should I be afraid? Because um, I'm wearing goofy hats and joking around a lot and making a fool of myself because, you know, that's who I am. And I don't Same. apologize for it. I completely so, get that. I get it. Is being a teacher your calling? Definitely. I, I say that through and through. I don't know what the future holds. I don't believe in a five-year plan and knowing what is going to happen, where I'll be. Um, right now, I'm just happy with where I am. I think COVID and the last year has taught us all to not take life for granted on a whole new level. I lost my mom to skin cancer when I was 21 in 2011. Um, and since then, it's really just been a lot of post-traumatic growth, um, a lot of understanding of what is most important in life. And that's happiness and that's joy. I do have my master's in educational leadership, so I'm eligible to be an assistant principal or a principal. But right now, I'm just most passionate to be in the classroom, to really be helping the kids. And I think, honestly, the most amazing thing is that about starting TikTok, about developing relationships with other creators like yourself and so many others, is that it, it shows you so much more of a world that is possible beyond just a straight line of teaching for the rest of my life. So I think that is opening ideas, opening my mind to a life that could support and lift up so many others and even beyond my classroom. I was listening to an Oprah episode last night and she was talking about how sometimes when we were little kids, there were like little hints of our destiny or our calling as, as children. And I was journaling last night trying to think if there were hints in my own <laughs> childhood. And I was wondering with you, did you have those uh, hinting towards your calling of being a teacher? I think definitely. I think a lot of times growing up, I was raised, my mom was a nurse. Um, my dad has always been so kind and caring and led with love for us, very compassionate. And I think a lot of that just resonated with me and my siblings. And it, I was, you know, actively, my first job was babysitting like so many others. And I, my first job out of high school was in a daycare for a year. And I just love kids. I love supporting them. And I think we do such a, honestly, a poor job of raising boys, of giving girls greater opportunities and greater self-worth. Tell me and, more. I want to hear. And that's so much of what I want. I want yeah. girls to understand that they can be anything they want. And society is definitely holding them back in many ways. 
But even with the, no matter how you feel about Kamala Harris being elected VP, it doesn't matter. The representation is so important. Whether you support her or not, it lets girls on all sides of the political aisle see what is possible, whether you support her or not. And that's so important. Yeah. Where did the passion for the emotional well-being of boys and expressing that come from? Um, I think that's just developed in the last 10 years, really, just learning more about how I'm an avid reader. I love to read. My books are my children. My wife tells me if I get a new book, I have to get rid of one. So I say, no, (laughs) sorry, I'll hide them in the closet if I need to. It's just listening. It's just reading, understanding history and how we got here and what the problems are and what are the solutions. I recently just finished uh, Melinda Gates' book, uh, Moment of Lift, and uh, there's so many answers to our problems in there. Really? Um, So many answers to a more equal and equitable world. So, And that's just so much of what I care about. I see constantly, especially in education, it's a female-dominated profession. And I see teachers are so often, whether it's on social media or just in person, they are taken advantage of. They are harassed um, for their for their looks. And it's wrong. You that's totally wrong. There's there's no time and no excuse. And I it's no tolerance anymore. So and that's just I think as you mentioned earlier, how George Floyd um in the civil in the social uprising of last year has just sparked so much in so many, and myself included. And that was just a huge moment that I can't be silent anymore. There's too much at stake for my, I don't have children right now, but for my future children, for their children, and there's an opportunity and there's a chance to make a difference, then I can get over my fear and self-consciousness of posting or talking publicly. And I've grown in confidence and it's made me so much better. And I have a long way to go. And that excites me. It doesn't scare me anymore. Amen. Amen to that. We have a segment called Unsung Hero. We think about making a difference in this world. Sometimes we feel pressured because we think, oh, that means I have to make millions of dollars or be an influencer on Instagram or be a movie star Absolutely. or whatever. And we're often a not, you know this, Jack, the people who've made the biggest difference in our lives were the everyday folk, right? The teachers, the uh, people at our churches yep. or in our homes or on the kitchen table, whatever it may be. I'm sure there are many people who've made a big difference in your life. But if you were to say there's one person sticking out in your mind right now, who would be your unsung hero? I can definitely say one of my absolute biggest heroes would have to be, besides my mother and father, (laughs) those are easy escape answers, but really I can say probably my high school social studies teacher, one of them, Mr. DeRose. Um, I've talked about him on my TikTok a little bit, and he taught me a lot about limited looking at history looking at the world in a limited at a from a limited perspective everything you see is some one perspective of a larger puzzle and we need to fill in the pieces and don't be so quick to judge um and really so much more of what he did he was patient he was kind he sat down with me at lunch after school to help me with my projects to really not teach to a test um, so much of the world in America's education system is teaching to the test still. And he he didn't do that. He taught us to think critically. And for that, I am incredibly forever indebted to him. Isn't Jack cool? I told y'all y'all would like him. Connect with him over on TikTok at Mr. Jack Cat one 
But before we go, I asked him if we could rewind the clocks one year ago and go back to the Jack before TikTok, before building an audience, before putting himself out there. If you could go back to him and tell him one thing that you know now that he did not know back then, what would that be? Just do it. Don't care at all what anyone else thinks. And that's, that's an, a testament to a message, a repeated message from Gary Vee, that it just doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks. If th that's their problem, if they are going to be critical or laugh at you or joke with you or joke at you, anything. So, and that's really what the biggest thing I've learned. And I know not, it's not easy for everyone and that's fine, but it, anyone is capable of doing what I am doing, anyone. And I firmly believe that.